and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collins. Today, we're going to take a look at The Kooks, performing in Cardiff Motor Point Arena today. So today, we have a three-truck show. Yes, three trucks and three tour buses. So a very small show. This is what you would consider as a very small show. Because then you've got one truck for lighting, one truck for sound, one truck for uh, everything else. There's not much AV on this. In fact, I can't see any AV on here at the moment. The stage is basic. So you've got a line array either side of the stage, one speaker at wide, with two subs on top of each line array stack. Then you have two uh, smaller line arrays pointing 45 degrees out either side of the stage, and they're only half the size of what you normally would get. And yet again, one speaker wide. You have three lighting bars which are not in the air at the moment but they're out getting there and these trusses they've got a small amount of lights on so they're basically using the bare bones they're only spending what they need to spend and because they're relying heavily on their own performance and uh, music rather than having a massive lighting rig and a massive AV setup at the back of the stage you've got a nice silk white backdrop I've got a funny feeling that once these lighting trusses are up then they'll start putting out some floor units which are either going to be some battens or a handful of what a handful of that uh, moving like washers just to light up the backdrop in pretty much any color under the sun because they're going to be LED units currently because I'm in earlier than I normally would be because of the rugby there's not much else going on the stage at the moment and uh, it's not even midday yet so they're getting there they really are getting there pretty quickly and efficiently they've got a small team because there's only three trucks they don't need to overkill it and another thing that i've noticed is they're doing a very good piece of traditional rigging every truss above the stage has got a black masking skirt on there and that's to basically hide the fact that it's a chrome truss and uh, hide some of the cables it's an aesthetics thing, you don't need it. And a lot of tours don't have these drapes. They're just a nice little bit of preference. The middle truss, so LX2, has a shed load of LED par cans and a handful of moving light washers. So that's pretty much going to provide the backlight for most of the stage. And it could be any color that's required because it's all LED. Currently there are no floor units yet, but I've got a feeling that there will be a load of floor units put out very soon. But then again, it's just waiting for all three of these uh, trusses to go up. I can't see a front bar at the moment, but it looks like there are points in there. Yes, uh, they've just started to move some truss onto these points that are in the auditorium and not on the stage. So you're going to have one bar front of house, which is quite shallow from the stage. So... This uh, bar is going to probably, probably be high up because it's close to the stage and it will just wash the stage. Nice bit of front light and that's about it. Nothing stupendous because at the end of the day if you want a lot of concentrated specials you'd need to be further back. But with the uh, bar being uh, just in front of the stage it's only going to be short throw so it's just going to be uh, a little bit of face wash. And that's about it. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure if they've got any follow spots on this show yet. I've not seen any come out of any boxes. 
and I've not passed any when I was walking on the level 2 balconies earlier on. So possibly they're just going to be lit up with the front house bar or they might have some robo spots but yeah we'll find that out later on. We'll be back after this. So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all these books are in the description below. Let's take a look at some of the Kooks history. So the Kooks are an English indie rock band formed in 2004 in Brighton. The band consists of Luke Pritchard on vocals and rhythm guitar, Hugh Harris on lead guitar, synthesizer and bass, and Alexis Nunns on drums. They've been signed to Virgin and EMI, and the past members of the band, you had Peter Denton, Max Rafferty and Paul Garrard. Their music is primarily influenced by the 1960s British Invasion Movement and post-punk revival in the new millennium. The Kooks have experimented in several genres including rock, Britpop, pop, reggae, ska and more recently funk and hip-hop, being described once as a more energetic thrills or a loser Sam Roberts band, and maybe even less severe Arctic Monkeys at times. Signed to Virgin Records, just three months after forming, the Kooks broke into the musical mainstream with a debut album, Inside In, Inside Out, in 2006. The album was ultimately successful, achieving quadruple platinum sales in the UK within a year, and also overseas in the form of a platinum certification in Australia and two times platinum in Ireland. The Kooks found themselves entering into mainstream media attention, with the band winning the award for Best UK and Ireland Act at the MTV Europe Music Awards in 2006 and picking up a nomination at the Brit Awards for the single She Moves In Her Own Way with their follow-up Conk in 2008, debuting at number one in the UK Albums Chart. It's recorded first week sales of 65,000, achieving gold status in both the UK and Ireland. Their third studio album entitled Junk of the Heart was released on the 12th of September in 2011 their fourth album, Listen, was released on the 8th of September in 2014. Their most recent album, Let's Go Sunshine, was released on the 2nd of September in 2018 and peaked at number 9 in UK Albums Chart. The Coots have mentioned drawing on a number of varied sources to create their sound. Listen to the Rolling Stones, The Beatles, Bob Dylan and Christy Burr. 
among influences in songwriting style and musical presentation over the course of their four albums. The band's debut album Inside In, Inside Out was touted as a typical Britpop record and was influenced by the Libertines, Thin Lizzy, The Police and continuing elements of the, of the 1960s British pop movement. Pritchard's lyrical style was compared to that of a younger, less pathetic version of Pete Doherty's Mouth style. The band themselves felt the album was not consistent in its direction. The first record was definitely genre hopping. The first album was finding its feet. It was gadabout, said Harris in, in an interview for the Sunday Business Post. On the follow-up Conk, the band attempted to find a more mature and polished sound drawing on a much wider choice of material for the album. About 80 to 90 new songs had been accumulated within the band's repertoire by this stage. The band began to incorporate more a hard-edged rock focus into their music. Critics drew comparisons to the work of the Kinks throughout the album. It was being recorded in a studio owned by Ray Davies. Also noted that the band's growing similarities in musical direction to the, to the Fratellis and the Arctic Monkeys. I think we've made a dynamic album, Pritchard said. Every song had its own character. It's a good pop album. The fourth album, Listen, includes much more percussion and cross rhythms than previous material. Pritchard described Listen as, as percussion sonnets. The first couple of albums I made, I never really thought about rhythms. I focused on the recording and the lyrics, Pritchard said. Now we've heard a little bit about the Kooks, we're uh, going to take a look at their support band, but we'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back, so let's take a look at the Snuts who are supporting the Kooks. The Snuts are a Scottish indie rock band formed in 2015. Originating from West Lothian, Scotland, they have, they have performed in the United Kingdom and Ireland. The band consists of Jack Cochrane, vocals and guitar, Jay McGilvery on guitar, Callum29, Wilson on the bass, and Jordan Jacko McKay on drums, and was formed when the members were in school. Wilson, McGilvery and McKay went to primary school with each other and they met Cochrane at secondary school. Wilson has said, we've only ever really played music together so I can't really imagine it any other way. They've been influenced by the likes of the Libertines and the Arctic Monkeys and Scottish Ned culture growing up. They've also said that one of our biggest inspirations is not to sound exactly like everybody else. Before going full time as a band, Cochrane was a joiner, Wilson was a slater and roofer, McKay was a mechanic and McGilvery got qualifications to be a stonemason. The band's debut single, The Demo, 
Glasgow was described as a stunning track with heaps of melody and quickly led to an ever since grown fanbase. After releasing several other demo singles in 2016, the Snuts released the self-produced EP The Matador in June 2017. The Snuts released their first proper single Sessions in June 2018, described as conventional in a much needed and refreshing way, a total throwback to the last renaissance of alternative music, and impeccably pieced together, designed to detonate on impact. The following month, they then played at Scotland's Turnsmut Festival at the King Tut stage. In September, Manhattan Project was released, produced by Dave McCracken. In November 2018, the band signed with Paraphone Records. In March 2019, the band made their US debut in the South by in the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas, and their first single under Paraphone, All Your Friends, was released in May. It was produced by Inflow and was and was the first single from their second EP mixtape. It was described as having an ir irresistibly catchy raw edge and a massive chorus and Cochrane explained that it was a new twist on the familiar social stigma around the drug epidemic that nobody seems to want to talk about. In July 2019, they performed again at Turnsmit, this time the main stage. When I say Turnsmit, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's T-R-N-S-M-T. Yes, it's a Scottish thing, I guess. Anyways, in August, they performed at the Reading and Leeds Festival, also at Victoria's Festival. The band's next single, Maybe California, was released in September 2019 and was produced by Rich Costley, Juan Belamonte, named after the Spanish bullfighter, and was produced by Costley, was released in October. In January 2020, the Snuts released a cover of Bruno Mars' When I Was Your Man from sessions at the Fire Pit Recording Studios in London. Two further singles, Fatboy Slim in homage of Fatboy Slim's notorious set at Bryson's Beach in, two, in 2002 and Coffee and Cigarettes were released before March, whereupon the EP mixtape was released. The EP consists of five songs which showcase different influences and four interludes which are studio outtakes, giving a kind of informal feel to the EP. The EP peaked at number 14 on the UK Albums Chart and also topped the Scottish Albums Chart as well as the UK Vinyl Albums Chart. Following the success of Mixtape, the Snuts quickly released their next single, a cover of, Loving, of the Loving Spoonful's Summer in the City. Like their previous cover song, this was a fire pit session. It was also featured on an advert for Strongbow Cider in August 2020. The following single, Elephants, was released in June 2020 and was produced by Tony Hoffa. It topped the iTunes single charts in the day of its release. Cochrane described it as another twist on our ever-growing diverse catalogue. In August, the band supported the Libertines at a socially distanced performance at the Virgin Money Unity Arena in Newcastle. That's All It Is was released in September and features the soundtrack to the video game FIFA 21. A week later, the Snuts released Always with Cochrane saying, The song depicts the message of falling in love with someone who in turn allows you to love yourself. Always was the final number one single on the Scottish singles chart before it was discontinued in November 2020. In December, the band announced the release of their of their debut album WL on Mar on the 19th of March in 2021. Later pushed back to the 2nd of April. It includes 10 previously released singles, three of which featured on the EP mixtape and three previously unreleased songs. The Deluxe edition also includes four previously unrelated bonus tracks. 
In February 2021, a new single, Somebody Loves You, was released in support of the Scottish Refugee Council, with the band donating the budget for the music video to the charity. Before its release, the Snuts performed the album at Stirling Castle and was later released as a, as a live album. WL debuted at number one on the UK album chart, making the Snuts the fourth making the Snuts the first Scottish band to do so with their debut album since The View in 2007. Now we've had a little look at the uh, Snuts background, we're going to take another look back at the arena, but we'll be back after this. 30 Years Since is a sci-fi story podcast, which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person so it, the character is just telling a monologue and then the second series and onwards became more third person so it was more of an in-depth story and uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other great set of sci-fi stories so 30 years after an alien invasion which uh, the humans lost and the first story arc is now over so we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since so why not check it out the links are in the description below and we're back so what's going on at the moment well they've near enough finished it's just before noon and it looks like they're very well ahead of schedule so let's take a look at what's gone on the stage right now as I predicted, the backdrop is definitely being uplit by uh, some LED blinders which are also able to be used as strobes which are also used as floods and they're also moving head as well so they can reposition from the backdrop and into the audience uh, at 45 degrees upwards if they so wished. You've also got a couple of uh, moving head spotlights uh, along the uh, backdrop as well which yet again would make some uh, shapes onto the backdrop as well as into the audience. Hanging down from LX3 which is the uh, lighting bar closest to the uh, backdrop you've got the uh, Kooks logo hanging down. Now this logo is essentially every letter of the uh, band's title joined together on two separate bars one above the other. They're above the Kooks suspended from LX3 on what's known as wire drifts which is basically wire rope which are rated to a couple of tons each which is overkill for uh, for this hanging structure but that's just how it is with the wire drifts you're gonna get extra safety for it either side of the stage you have four booms and a boom is essentially a, a lighting bar that's rooted into either a tank trap or a heavy duty doughty base and on these booms are a shed load of LED pars which are facing 45 degrees across the stage into the audience which will make some nice shapes when all, bar all four bars are active. They can become any colour and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this effect especially when the arena is full of smoke. In the middle of the stage you've got a three piece riser so I'm assuming that in the middle they're going to set the drum kit and I can tell that on the stage right riser you've got the keyboards and I would guess that bass would be on stage left 
Although I will revise this later on once we know exactly where every one is. Today's event is a standing event so all the arena seats have been uh, folded up and put away and currently they're building the mojo barrier in front of the stage. The mixer at the back of the arena is partially mojoed. At the forward section of the control point you've got the mojo and then they're going to have the bike rack crush barriers either side surrounding them and they're going to double skin that so and when I say double skin that's where they essentially put two sets of uh, crush barriers to give it extra stability and they will be uh, secured together by chains. It's looking pretty good, pretty good. We'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So let's take a look at the uh, Snoot show. The Snoots had a small strip of the stage and it was downstage centre. And they came out to a nice purple flashing wash. Lighting wise, they only had four front of house blinders, strobes, and well, these units are blinders, their strobes, and their washers um, all in one. I had four of those pointing into the audience on LX1, which is right out into the uh, audience. Then you had um, half of the uh, front of the house battens that are on the front of the stage pointing 45 degrees up at them but they won't use all the time just, just just there to highlight a little bit of their faces and you also had a couple of uh, moving lights on the floors from the sides giving a nice bit of side lighting. There was no real face lighting and they didn't have any spotlights they just had washers and bit of flash and trash. One bit that I really loved about their set was uh, the interlude between the first and second song which was uh, the classic song by Wild Child which was Renegade Master but they had a nice little uh, indie kind of rock go at it. Only the first uh, intro of that and then they went straight into their uh, second song which the song name eludes me because I don't know anything about the snoots really apart from what I went over earlier on. Throughout their 30 minute support set, the lights were non-stop flash and trash, going between open whites and colours, which gave off a nice effect, bearing, bearing in mind they only had a small amount of lights. Soundwise, it was a really good mix throughout, though there wasn't there although there wasn't much clarity between all the instruments, so you could hear it all, but you couldn't hear all the individual parts of the uh, song. You couldn't separate it in your head. And I'll go into that later on when I uh, go over the kicks because I did find out the reason, well I did come to a conclusion about why that was, but I'll go into that on the main bit of the kicks later on. I mean they did have all the balance right, the sound level was really good and um, although there was a lot of reverb within uh, the guitars and the vocals, but it worked really well really, it did, it did. Right, so because the Snoots had a later than normal start at 8pm, they had about 70% capacity uh, to start with. And for a uh, fully standing show, that's really good going. And 
yeah, they had a, only had a 30 minute set, but it was a good 30 minute set. It was quite high octane and the audience loved it. I mean, they must have been fans as well as uh, fans of the uh, Kooks as well, especially since they only had a small set and they used that 30 minutes really well. There was next to no patter between songs, which was good because they just got down to the meat and tea veg of it. They just played, played and played and every song that they did, the audience loved it and loved it and loved it. They definitely used that 30 minute set wisely. Well done, well done to the snakes. We'll be back after this. If you're a singer, a musician, a cabaret artist, dancer, actor, and you want to promote your show or promote yourself, and you want to have a conversation, you could do this by coming on our show. The email address to contact me is masterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show. And we're back. So the Kooks came out to a massive, massive applause. And there was just the lead singer and guitarist. He was on his own. He actually started the show on his own. He went to the downstage right where there's a little pool of light waiting for him and his acoustic guitar. And he played his first song acoustically, all on his own. Such a bold way to start a show. I've not seen anyone do that before. Not from a major band like this. So he came out and did his first song all on his own. There was one light behind him, giving him a nice little pool of backlight. He had his uh, robo spot pointed onto him. He had another spot from the uh, opposite direction to uh, his uh, follow spot, but it had a color correction in there to give him a nice little bit of depth within, within that little pool of light so it wasn't just too stark. It didn't bleed his face out, it didn't do a theatrical kill. It, it was nice, it just had a nice little balance on there. And he had a floor light on him as well, so just giving a little bit of up light as well. So he was fully lit and he had his own solo song. Towards the end of the song, the rest of the band came on and they waited for the last 30 seconds of the song and then bam, straight into their second song as a band together. It worked really well, it worked really well. Now with the lights of the uh, Kooks set, I have to say less was definitely more. And I even had a chap, the lighting engineer, who also designed the show. And um, in our discussion we had, he could have had a lot more, but he, just, he, he definitely chose not to have that much because he knew exactly what he was going to do and how he was going to do it program wise and it looked amazing which goes to show you don't need hundreds upon hundreds of lights because if you know how to use a small amount of lights but good lights then you can do a hell of a lot with them and did that he did he had the LED strobe washers and um, blinders those units that could be all three which can also pan and tilt. He had those all pixel mapped. You had a load of the moving lights, which are the BIs, again, and we've gone over these a few times, where he had those all mapped out as well. And he only, and because of that, he only needed half of what other people would have because he actually spent the time to program properly and use all those lights to maximum effect. And then as well, he had those uh, piles on the booms and those had a real great effect as well. 
they just they were actually just one color they weren't led units when i had a closer look at when i had a closer look just before the house opened up they were at a night they had a nice tungsten glow throughout and it looked it, re it really did look amazing really did the light engineer made lots of shapes lots of uh, static washes and then when it required when he when it required flash and trash with all the uh, with all the lights just uh, going to the absolute maximum potential and it was such a visual masterpiece with probably a third probably a third of some of the uh, bigger shows that we've had that I've had recently since the, since the uh, Motor Point Arena re reopened after Covid sound wise the kooks were loud I mean they were very loud now they were pretty much on legal threshold throughout the whole of the show so when I say legal threshold they didn't go over the maximum decibel level they just kept bouncing on and off it so under and then bang onto it so I've got a funny feeling that the, that the sound engineer he programmed the desk to never let it go over a certain threshold which was the absolute legal maximum and why not he isn't going to make your ears bleed it was loud he wouldn't make your ears bleed not with that sound rig but he had it going right up there right up there and it's a nice welcome change I have to say yeah and the show did warrant it and I've got a funny feeling that the kooks actually asked him to go as loud as he possibly could without getting them into trouble and he's like yeah done and it worked it really worked because they loved being out here and performing they really did and I'll go into that in a moment so back to the sound there wasn't much clarity again with the uh, with the actual instruments where you could hear absolutely every single part of it but when I was walking around the venue doing the noise monitoring and whatnot I did clock that with the uh, line arrays it might have been quite impossible to get the clarity that he wanted to have purely for the fact of the uh, size of the line arrays just being uh, single file and with the loud that he was pumping out then um, he, uh, it was a choice between going to maximum decibels or getting that spot on clarity but it worked I did like the sound he had a good sound to him the best he could have done clarity wise with tra with that trade-off sometimes you have to make trade-offs when doing something technical within the within the entertainment industry that's how it works sometimes you have to and if you can make a good trade-off then so but so be it do uh, do that trade-off to get the maximum out of your show the kooks themselves had such a great stage presence they totally loved being out on that stage and the audience loved the fact that they loved being out on that stage. Every song they played, they played with absolute enthusiasm and they did it for themselves as well as for their fans. They totally respected their fans by giving them their money's worth and you could tell that it was their money's worth. They gave it their all. And when I was speaking to Lightning Engineer, they, the kooks were towards the end of their tour. They had a couple more dates left and then they'd go over to Europe. So they were giving it up their all to finish off this tour as best as they can. And in high esteem. In high esteem. And you got to respect them for that. They were celebrating their 15th year as the band of the kooks. And um, 
they wanted to make a big deal out of it, hence why they was going loud. And especially since they haven't really performed for the best part of two and a bit years because of the uh, pandemic, they just wanted to come back running and hitting the floor running. And I can't blame them for that. You, no one could blame them for that. They did so well to energize themselves and the audience. And throughout the whole show, you had all the audience just singing. And when I say singing, they uh, added on at least two decibels uh, on top of the sound of the uh, band playing. Not only were they singing, they were dancing, they were swaying, phones in the air at some point with their uh, torches up, and there was even a couple of mini circle pits open up for and for an indie band that's really good going i have to say now how did the audience react that's a silly question really they loved them i mean they really really loved them it the show was definitely value for money if you were a kooks fan definitely value for money and personally i'm not that much of a fan i'd listen to them on if they're on the radio i wouldn't turn the channel but after seeing them live and knowing that they can really play live, I mean seriously play live, I wouldn't mind watching them live uh, if I was paying for a ticket. I really wouldn't. By going with what this show was all about, I'd definitely spend money on a ticket if I had the opportunity to. I really would. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. Please share it out if you like it because that's the only way this podcast will grow if people start sharing. So if you like it, please hit the share button as well or even cut and paste the link and put it in and say, oh, listen to this, it's really good because he's telling you all the technical side about the show and giving a very honest review as well. Until next time, guys. Bye for now.